Do sports endorsements pay off on this consumer goods edition of Industry Focus? Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining here from beautiful Alexandria, Virginia at Fool Headquarters. And to my left is the incomparable Vincent Shen. How are you today, sir? I'm glad that you went with incomparable today. You are incomparable. Um, so uh, I always had this age-old question. I was like, oh, do these sports stores actually pay off? Because like, Nike spends $100 million a year, probably more than that, on this stuff. And so uh, that l- led us to the show here today. Yes. Um, at the Stanford Sports Innovation Conference last year, uh, I'm totally butchering this and I apologize, but Vivek Ranadive. Ranadive. There we go. See? Um, he is the owner of the Sacramento Kings, and he mentioned something that pretty much sums up why sports, apparel, sponsorships have been, you know, they're just a huge business and why they keep doing it. And uh, the simple you know, question he posed is what is the difference between a customer and a fan? Um, that's very poignant. Yeah, I think the really big thing here is like, how often do you have customers, you know, setting up entire parties around your product, tailgating, waiting out in the cold for hours, painting their faces, painting their faces, <laughs> other than in something like sports? And, you know, maybe some of the few ones that, you know, like like we were talking about, Sean, earlier, like Apple, where you have people waiting in line for right. the newest iPhone. That's but pretty much it. People yeah. recognize that as an anomaly. And it's pretty incredible because, you know, these apparel companies and the sports teams themselves are able to enjoy this relationship where it's like, hey, we have these rabid fans. It's extremely receptive audience. This extremely receptive, you know, target base for you guys to find new customers to sell your products. And that's why this, you know, sponsorships themselves have become a multi-billion dollar business every year. Uh, So, obviously, you've got the Nikes and the Under Armors of the world, you know, paying for this. But really, it's almost every major consumer brand. Yeah. Every, you know, big, every uh, consumer consumer brand, like you said, any household You got muscle milk here, like... (laughs) Um, so I, in the next few minutes here, we're going to talk a lot about NBA stars. This is for a reason because, you know, basketball has just grown to be one of those more lucrative leagues where the players are signing deals there that are far greater than what, um, the stars will get in the NFL or the NHL and MLB. This is of course started by Michael Jordan. Yeah. I I think I really do believe that having grown up through with that craze with the Chicago Bulls, when I was in the third grade, kids like on their homework would draw the nike swoosh just because it was so ingrained you see what i'm talking about like yeah right and we grew up in different states like (laughs) so i i really do think that and we'll actually get to jordan though he's been retired for quite some time now they're just haynes they're just haynes vince he's he's still making quite a bit of money uh through some of the the old deals that he signed with companies like nike so we'll get to that but um you know, I really just want to talk about, like, for example, right now, NBA Finals are on, and it's pitting two, basically, NBA's most marketable stars right now. You got LeBron James against Steph Curry. You know, I uh, I grew up 20 minutes from LeBron James's Akron Mansion. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, a high native. So yeah, I, I swung by. I was I happened to be out, but I swung by after the night of the decision when he went to the Miami Heat. Oh, yeah. There were, there were squad cars on the street protecting his house. Oh, really? I'm yeah. surprised you could even get into the neighborhood, to be <laughs> honest. <the> truth. <laughs> um, so, you know, even now, 
some of these guys, the amount of money they're making, LeBron James earned $44 million off the court this season. How is that legal? So it's more than he actually makes playing right. for the Cavs. And I don't know why he bothers negotiating with them. <laughs> this is probably the most of any athlete in a team sport, at least. And his sponsors, like you said, here are some of the names that are on his sponsor list. Nike, Kia, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, Beats by Dre, Tencent, Audemars Piguet, the watch company. So, like... That's just a sampling. Steph Curry, he's kind of like this got this underdog story where people told him that oh you're not going to play professionally. He's not as big as other players, but you know the guy does magic in the court, and I think that's one of the reasons why Under Armour pursued him to have that underdog image to see somebody kind of like rising through challenges to succeed. So that was a big sign for them, I think, a year or two ago. And, but he's also enjoying sponsorships from Unilever, Express, uh, Muscle Milk, like you mentioned. He probably gets more offers every week. Um, and then an, a really, really big deal recently, Kevin Durant signed a t- 10-year deal with Nike. Just to give you an idea here of how much Nike, a company like Nike spends on sponsorships, he signed a 10-year deal with Nike last year, and there's estimates that value it at $300 million. So that's just bananas it's probably one of the like biggest endorsement deals in sports history and keep in mind that that was signed after under armor had pursued durant with a similarly sized deal oh there was a so there was probably some thing about a bit of a you know a war between the two companies for this so why this matters you know i i want to talk about what the return on investment is here for these companies um it's kind of murky. Uh, you know, some people will argue that this is worth it just for the brand awareness. How popular these stars are, seeing that label, it, the exposure is basically incomparable. At the same time, you know, people have tried to kind of na- get down into a more, you know, qu- quantitative analysis to determine so what is the actual impact here? So there's a paper written in 2011 by a a professor at Harvard Business School and an analyst at Barclays, so kind of addressed this exact issue. And they wanted to know that our company is really getting a good return on investment, all this money that they spend, first of all, in the contracts, free merchandise that they give out. Um, And so they looked at 178 athletes and 95 sponsor companies, and they concluded that across the board, endorsements generally can pump up sales by like $10 million, boost short-term return on equity, and if an athlete wins a title or championship, kind of like Nike or Under Armour will probably enjoy Huge in the payoff. next couple of weeks, right? Yeah. There is like an additional impact from that as well. And um, there's another report from the Marketing Science Institute that concluded that Nike, okay, this one is actually really interesting for me. Nike was able to generate an additional $100 million in profits due to increased sales and like price premiums on their products. And this is just from like their golf ball sales. As a result, of their endorsement deal with Tiger Woods, which, by the way, was also nine figures. So in the hundreds of Good millions. Lord. So, you know, here's two reports that basically, admittedly, are probably with some really, really strong athletes, like the biggest names. So it works out for them. Does it work out in every instance? Probably not. But companies now are really cognizant of, like, making sure the spending's not out of line, that they are getting a good return on the money. That did, uh, did the Harvard study talk about Wheaties at all? <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell me about uh, 
you know, I mentioned how in like third grade, all the kids were driving, drawing the Nike swooshes and all that stuff. Like that's what like I went to school in the nineties, and that's when I mean, geez, you go to Schottenstein Arena in Chicago, and they just got all these banners from the nineties. Like they're still just like, oh yeah, we were that good in the nineties. Yeah, of course. But um, so how much? Because Air Jordans are not cheap. How much has Nike gotten just off of Air Jordans? All right. Well, this is another thing that really surprised me kind of doing the research for the show, because, you know, I would think these days, like the big players with sneakers are um, off the top of my head, like LeBron, uh, I think Durant, Curry's got his shoes, Kobe's got his shoes. So LeBron is like the big seller for Nike. His signature sneakers logged about over $300 million of Did sales. Did I tell you? I'm sorry to interrupt. Did I Go tell ahead. you about the uh, the cardboard cutout of LeBron James I saw in McDonald's in Beijing when I was in China five years oh, ago? Really? Yeah, well, the, I was like, "Yep, I feels just like an American McDonald's." Nope, no problem. Incidentally, <laughs> China is actually a huge uh, market that the NBA and you know the basketball world generally is targeting. They say that <laughs> this is uh, a pretty cool number that China has about 300 million people playing basketball regularly. That's pretty uh, much everyone in America. I was about to say, that's just short of the United States population. So So for companies like Nike, you know, that have this huge presence in especially like basketball shoes, apparel, and that entire world, that's a huge growth opportunity for them. So again, you can kind of see how, you know, LeBron at the McDonald's, as you said, right, is exactly where these endorsement deals kind of take them. Yeah. Um, And people in China know Kobe. They know LeBron. Like, those are huge names. And um, I was in New York during the huge Lin Sanity craze. Oh, no. And that put basketball on the map for a lot of, you know, people in Asian countries. Yeah. So uh, LeBron sold $300 million of his sneakers for Nike last year. Durant sold $175 million. So these are pretty big numbers. But for the company overall, you know, probably more of a drop in the bucket, to be honest. But then you look at the Jordan sneaker line. So, you know, the guy's been retired for some time now, but the Jordan sneaker line still logs over $2.5 billion of revenue every year for Nike. So that name has carried on for so long with such a legacy. Like, Where would Nike be without... It had Michael Jordan never existed. Like, where would that? I almost. Wonder. I really don't know. Like that. I. That's crazy. He really set. I feel like the tone for like the potential, um, for two hundred dollars sneakers. <laughs> yeah, there and also in some of these gigantic endorsement deals. Right. So uh, obviously Nike obviously benefited you know since the nineties with Air Jordans and everything, but um, the up and comer Under Armour essentially built their business like from the ground up using kind of sneaky little up-and-comer endorsements yeah there was a really interesting piece uh also again i think harvard business review where boy harvard really likes sports it looks like they kinda... uh they basically talked to the founder of under armor and he talks about how like he focused on the having a really good product at first of course right you know i have used under armor i enjoy i think it's a good product but he obviously needed to get the name out there and he used a lot of his connections and friends from when he used to play football in like high school and stuff who turned pro or went on to you know establish themselves in you know the football world and kind of like this grassroots kind of thing word of mouth and before you know he was getting orders from you know the giants from the dolphins and that really helped propel his company to be I think it started in He did a very organic, you know, word of mouth kind of thing just yeah. with some players. So we're talking about a company that started in 96, I think, with, you know, maybe thousands of dollars of sales. Yeah. And now they're in the billions. And now they're trying to beat Nike at its best game, which is like shoes. Shoes. Yeah. They and just started that. So, you know, Steph Curry's their huge uh, 
their huge like sign there for the NBA. You know, there's that big commercial that came out with Jamie Foxx. Yo, gosh. Uh, that, which has a ton I of views on YouTube. That. Yeah. And they've done a really good job with their marketing. So ESPN had a story about how Steph Curry went, he appeared at an Under Armour store in Manhattan to do, you know, press, to do autographs, stuff like that. And they say that in that single day during his appearance, they um, logged more sales in that one day than in the 116 days, the nearly four months beforehand that the store was open combined. Oh, like, my That was how powerful gosh. his presence was and how much people love their favorite sports stars. What is the difference between a fan and a customer? Exactly. Um, and even now, like, it's different. You know, when I was growing up, when you were growing up with Jordan, it was like you see him on TV commercials. You see him in the games, of course, wearing his sneakers. You see him in a Wheaties box. But now it's like these athletes themselves have their own image because they have Twitter, Facebook, and all these social networks and other mediums where they can kind of, like, get their voice out there, get this image out Make there. Make themselves more of a brand. Exactly. And that probably helps them not only with the kind of deals they can get, how much they can get for those deals, but also the companies see like, okay, I really like the image that LeBron has, like, you know, King James. And so Kia, for example, is using, it has signed LeBron to kind of help them get into the luxury car market. Like, you know, their new luxury car. Yeah, they got that $70,000 four-door sedan good enough for a king right king james yeah, right yeah, so yeah. it's a gr- it's really interesting how like these worlds have kind of combined and meshed especially with you know all the 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 new social networks and the new media media out there that are available now for them to to get these products sell these products essentially so uh the moral of the story is uh, if you want to start a uh, a sports brand athletic wear Get a couple of endorsements out there. You'll be good to go. Yeah. yeah. Raise a couple hundred million dollars. Sign some huge athletes. Oh, is that all? <laughs> is that all? So uh, one one last thing that I also kind of want to touch on that uh, has to do with the finals again is that, you know, again, you got LeBron facing off against Curry. And how big this is that, you know, this finals that they're saying right now is the best ratings that ABC has ever experienced uh, wow. since it started airing them in 2003. Which sounds cr- like, yeah, go ahead. And so they're like ecstatic about this. And once again, I have to, I think a big part of it is these two teams, their fan followings, and like this matchup of two of, like I said, the biggest, biggest stars, most in the marketable world. stars yeah. in the NBA, and how powerful it is for these companies to be able to, you know, leverage their celebrity essentially. Very cool. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Vince, as always. Cool. Thank you, Sean. That is it for us, Hula. But before we go, I want to make our listeners aware of a very special offer for all industry-focused listeners. If you found this discussion informative and you're looking for more foolish stock ideas, Stock Advisor may be the service for you. It is our flagship newsletter started more than 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom and David Gardner. We're offering the lowest price out there for our industry-focused listeners. That is $98 for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You'll get two stock recommendations every month with insight from our team of analysts. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of the deal. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. That's it for us, Fools. For Vincent Chen, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!